0: Welcome to Hallowed, Exploring the Lives of the Saints, Episode 28, Fishbone. I'm your host, Tom Thorne, and in this podcast, I'll be taking you on a journey through the lives, adventures, trials, and triumphs of the great heroes of the Christian faith. We're back from hiatus now, and I'm pleased to report that my wedding went beautifully. I'm looking forward to getting back to the show. Today we'll be talking about a saint whom most Catholics, at least, will have heard of, because we get our throats blessed by him every year in February. If you've ever wondered about the origins of this rather strange but charming custom, then today's your day. I'm referring to the ancient bishop and martyr, St. Blaze. You're probably sick of hearing me say this by now, but as with many figures from the early church there isn't very much that we know about the life of St. Blaise. The legends about him were recorded centuries later in a document called the Acts of St. Blaise. And further stories were added over the course of the Middle Ages, as we'll see. So here's what we do know. Blaise was born in the late 3rd century, and he was martyred in the year 316 in the Armenian city of Sevastea which is now Silvas in modern-day Turkey. We've talked a few times about this period already, an age of chaos and fragile recovery in the late Roman Empire, in which thousands of Christians were put to death for their faith, serving as scapegoats for the failures of the emperors. But strangely enough, Blaze was not one of the more common class of martyrs who were killed under the emperor Diocletian the author of The Great Persecution, whom we discussed at length in our very first episode. Instead, Blaise was actually martyred several years after the triumph of Constantine, and the official toleration of Christianity, which began with the Edict of Milan in 313. You can hear all about that in episode 7, if you'd like a recap. I'll explain why that was toward the end of today's show, that is, why Blaise was killed after Christianity had been legalized. But for now, let's look into some of those later legends about his life and miracles. Blaise himself is first mentioned by name in a 6th century Byzantine medical text by a physician named Aetios of Amida, who suggests praying to Blaise for help with ailments of the throat. That's right his most common domain of patronage, the healing of the throats, is actually older than any of the recorded stories about his life and martyrdom. In other words, the thing we most associate with St. Blaise, his patronage of all diseases of the throat, goes all the way back to the origins of his saintly cult. The stories which grew up around that cult may or may not have been accurate, But they do show us how highly the early church trusted Blaise, as an effective healer. By the Middle Ages, he had become one of the Fourteen Holy Helpers, a group of saints whose intercession was thought to be especially powerful for particular needs. The most famous of these tales is the one you've probably heard before, that he miraculously saved a young boy who was choking on a fishbone becoming the patron of all ailments of the throat. Whatever truth there may be in this medieval legend, Blaze had already been the patron of the throat for centuries before that tale was written down, so it's not at all a recent invention to call him that. Beneath his treatment of the body, there is perhaps an allegorical meaning, too. As you probably know, the fish is an ancient symbol of Christianity. In fact, along with the cross, it's one of the oldest symbols, going all the way back to the very first century of the church. The origins of this symbol probably have their roots in Christ himself in the Gospels, calling the fishermen Peter, Andrew, James, and John, feeding the 5,000 with loaves and fishes, and of course, cooking fish on a campfire with his apostles after the resurrection. So if we read the fish as a symbol of Christianity itself, then perhaps St. Blaise removing the fishbone from a choking boy could symbolize his removing obstacles to accepting the Christian faith. The modern custom that we're familiar with, of blessing people's throats with candles on St. Blaise's Day in February, began much, much later, in the 16th century. But as we've seen... That custom is based on a much older devotion, a devotion to St. Blaise as patron of the throats, which was at least a thousand years old by the time the candle blessings began. But the story of the boy and the fishbone isn't the only legend about St. Blaise, even if it is the most famous. Another legend says that after narrowly escaping capture by the Roman officials in Armenia, Blaze fled into the caves of the Cappadocian wilderness to continue his holy work in secret. Cappadocia, by the way, is eastern Turkey today. It's a rough, rugged, and dry country, home to several of the church's early fathers. During his time in the wilds, Blaze was approached by a poor peasant woman who had lost her prized piglet to a wolf. St. Blaise wasted no time in finding the wolf's lair, and commanding the beast to give back the little piglets. Which, apparently, it actually did. For that reason, Blaise is also considered the patron saint of wild animals, a title he shares with the now more famous, but historically much later, St. Francis of Assisi. According to the tale, that same peasant lady he'd helped with the missing piglet would later come to his aid when Blaise himself was in need. When he was finally arrested by the Roman authorities and locked in a dark prison cell, she brought him candles for comfort. This is probably why St. Blaise is associated with candles, why they are one of his symbols. And it's probably the origin of the blessing with candles on St. Blaise's Day. This brings us back to the question of his martyrdom. Why were the authorities after Blaise in the first place? After all, as I said at the beginning, Christianity was now officially tolerated. It was a perfectly legal religion, according to the Emperor Constantine. This was in 316, after all, several years after Constantine had passed the Edict of Milan and brought an end to the Great Persecution. So why was Blaise in trouble with the law? The short answer is that Constantine, who had taken the church under his protection, was not yet the sole master of the entire Roman Empire. At this point in time, he only ruled the western half of the empire. The eastern half of the empire, which at this point in history was far wealthier, was controlled by Constantine's rival, a man named Licinius. Now, Licinius had signed on to the Edict of Milan back in 313, and he had initially shown favor to the church. But, as his power struggle with Constantine grew ever more bitter... Licinius appears to have withdrawn his support for the Christians in the eastern half of the empire. Perhaps he viewed them as a fifth column loyal to Constantine. And so Licinius, the ruler of the east, gave license to his pagan bureaucrats to continue harassing, arresting, and even executing Christians in the eastern half of the empire even though it was no longer technically legal to do so. Ironically enough, this illegal persecution would eventually give Constantine himself a pretext for declaring war on Licinius and seizing control of the Eastern Empire. This is how Constantine got the great city of Byzantium, which he would soon rename Constantinople in his own honor. But all of that still lay in the future, in 316, when the eastern bureaucrats under Licinius began their renewed persecution of the church. One of their unfortunate victims was Blaze. It's not totally clear how his whereabouts were given away, but we know that he was eventually found in his hidden cave and dragged out of hiding in the wilderness. He was brought before the provincial governor of Cappadocia, a pagan, and forced to prove his loyalty by sacrificing to the pagan gods in the name of the Eastern Emperor, Licinius. I'm sure you can guess how Blaze replied, and I'm sure you can guess how the governor reacted. For refusing to worship the pagan gods, Blaze, like so many Christians before him, was tortured to death. He was beaten, hanged, and torn with iron rakes before the executioner at last beheaded him. And that is just about all we know about St. Blaise. He lived a good life in the service of others, even while on the run from the authorities. And when he was finally caught, he died a hero's death for Christ. So what can we take away from this story? A few things, I'd say. For one, Blaze shows us that we can pursue a life of service, a life of ministry for others, even when it puts us into danger. Obviously, today, most of us are not on the run from pagan authorities, though that is true of many Christians in some parts of the world. But even if we're not in immediate physical danger for practicing our faith and living the kind of life that Christ calls us to live, we can still learn from St. Blaise to be good to others and look after their needs, even when it's difficult or inconvenient for us. A second takeaway, I think, is the humility of St. Blaise. He wasn't above helping out little people with little problems. It would have been very easy for him, hiding away in his cave, to turn away that peasant woman with the piglet. She might have been something of a nuisance, and perhaps even a danger, if she could give away the position of his hiding place. But that wasn't how Blaze saw her. He saw her simply as a woman in need. And so he embarked on his quest to rescue her little piglet. Finally, like all the martyrs, Blaze teaches us that our highest good Must always be God, that our loyalty to Jesus Christ surpasses anything else in this life. As I mentioned earlier, the cult of Saint Blaise spread rapidly and far in the Middle Ages, with Blaise himself being considered one of the Fourteen Holy Helpers, a group of highly effective saints who could always be trusted to answer your prayers. By the 16th century, churches dedicated to Blaise ranged from Iceland all the way to India, and the modern custom of blessing throats on St. Blaise's Day in February had come into being. As you know if you've ever attended such a blessing, it's performed using holy candles, usually though the candles that have been consecrated the day before on Candlemas, the Feast of the Purification on the 2nd of February. But here in the Latin West, the church also has a special prayer For blessing candles on St. Blaise's Day itself. It's quite a beautiful prayer, reminding us of what made Blaise such an honorable saint while invoking his intercession for us here on earth. I'd like to read it to you God Almighty and All Miles, by your will alone you created the manifold things in the world, and willed that the same word by whom all things were made, take flesh, in order to redeem mankind. You are great and immeasurable, awesome and praiseworthy, a wonder of marvels. Hence, in professing his faith in you, the glorious martyr and bishop, Blaise, did not fear any manner of torments, but gladly accepted the palm of martyrdom. In virtue of which you bestowed on him, among other gifts, the power to heal all ailments of the throats. and now we implore Your Majesty that overlooking our guilt and considering only his merits and intercession, it may please you to bless and sanctify and impart your grace to these candles. Let all men of faith whose necks are touched with them, be healed of every malady of the throats, and being restored in health and good spirits, let them return thanks to you in your holy Church and praise your glorious name, which is blessed forever through Christ our Lord. Amen. Saint Blaise is commemorated on the third of February in the Catholic Church, and on the eleventh of the same month, in Eastern Orthodoxy. He is the patron of infants, animals, builders, veterinarians, doctors, and of course the throats. His attributes, or symbols and artwork, which you can find in churches all over the world, are crossed candles, a bishop with animals, and a man saving a choking boy. There are many, many relics attributed to St. Blaise. Perhaps the most interesting of these relics are housed in the southern Italian town of Mariteia, in the region of Basilicata, in the southeast of Italy. According to legend, these relics were brought to Italy by Byzantine Orthodox Christians fleeing the period of persecution known as iconoclasm, a time when a heresy opposed to the veneration of icons and saints had taken over the Eastern Roman or Byzantine Empire, driving the Orthodox faith underground. I'll do a whole episode on iconoclasm and the saints who fought against it sometime in the near future. For now, it's enough to know that it was the iconoclasm which drove the relics of St. Blaise into hiding in the West. You can still go to Maratea and visit these relics in the Basilica there, along with many other sites of pilgrimage dedicated to St. Blaise all over the world. As always, I've included links to prayers and other resources in the show notes if you'd like to deepen your own devotion to St. Blaise and learn more about his life and legacy. There, you'll also find links to our Patreon, where you can support the show, and to my email address, where you can send suggestions for future episodes, and any questions or comments you have. May St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr, come to our aid, now and always, for the greater glory of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening, and God bless.